Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Episode five of Courtside Convo from the beautiful campus of Michigan State in East Lansing, Michigan. I'm your host, Bobby Zephro, joined by Zach Serdinick, Josh Rayapan, and Darren Baydoon. Carter couldn't make it today. Technical issues. We've all been down that road. Um, so we'll start with talking about the Miami and Boston series. Last time we left off, Miami had just won game one, but now Miami stands with a three to one lead. So we'll go, Zach, what are your thoughts so far about this series? Uh, this series has been a lot of fun to watch. Tyler Hero was just insane in game four for the Heat. Tatum didn't score in the first half, and I remember distinctly having a conversation with my brother at halftime in game four. And I said that Tatum's either going to finish with a single-digit number or he's going to have like 30 in the second half. And he was close. He had 28 in the second half. And the Celtics came back in that game, but just Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, they're just – They've been so good all playoffs long, and they're continuing to be there and got a chance to close it out tonight, right? I believe so. What day of the week? Yes, today is Friday. So, yeah, they play 8.30 tonight. So this series could be over by the time that anybody hears this. Yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually going to make a declaration right now. I think it is over. I think Boston – I. I won't be shocked if Boston wins another game, but just the way that – I said this flat out when Miami beat the Bucks. I said, I don't care who wins between Toronto and Boston the second round. I'm picking Miami to get to the NBA Finals. And to me, they just look like a team – like what Tyler Harrell did, I mean, I, I can't like, – it's, it's remarkable. You have to go back to literally the only, the only comparison in terms of the age that he's at is Magic Johnson in 1980 when he was a rookie and when he helped lead the Lakers to in their, to their first NBA title with him on a team. And I mean, obviously I'm not saying that he's going to be like magic, but it's just, it's incredible to see, to see what he did and to see, I mean, he's been a spark plug for the heat all year and the way he's lifted his game now in these playoffs and just against, you know, the better and better competition as they got along. Um, it's, you know, it's remarkable to see. And not to mention, again, Jimmy Butler bounced back. He had a really good game, 20-plus points. You know, you got Bam Adebayo doing what, you know, he's been doing just all year pretty much. And that's just being a two-way force. Um, you know, obviously you got Drogic, you got Duncan Robinson, you got J. Crow. I mean, Miami just, to me, they just are, like, because if, if, if Boston does, especially if Tatum is not going for Boston, you know, they have, a, they have other guys, but Kemba Walker – this hasn't been his best, you know, it ha he hasn't been playing his most consistent, obviously. Marcus Smart has had has shown overall that he can shoot better in these playoffs, but he's still he still can be streaky and even and he did have eleven assists, but you know, the shooting wasn't there as it had been before. You know, other than Jalen Brown, you know, he's still, you know, I mean, he's obviously very good, but Tatum's the one that drives him. And I mean, obviously they have zero in the second half. I mean, he came back at twenty or have zero in the first half, I should say. He came back to have twenty in the second half, but also the turnovers. I mean, Boston basically, what, doubled up at least Miami in total turnovers for the game. I think it was, what, 19 to 8 or something, or what was the, whatever was the number was. You're not going to – you. this is just basic basketball, whether it's the playoffs or the regular season. You're probably not going to win if you have – if you if you give up 
the ball nearly 20 times and your opponent doesn't even give it up like 10 or something like that. I mean, that's just, I mean, that was the biggest difference. And if Boston wants to have a chance to come back in the series, they have to eliminate those self-inflicted mistakes. You know, they, they can't shoot themselves in the foot. You're too deep in the playoffs to be shooting yourself. I feel like to be shooting yourselves in the foot like that. Like you can't afford to have those kind of breakdowns. So I just think to me though, it, it, just, it just seems like, I don't know. It just seems like Miami after that game is just, it's, they just start playing with, they just have all the confidence right now. And I, I think they're going to take it. I really do. I really think they're going to take it tonight. They're, they're going to want to put their foot down and be like, all right, we're not, we're, you know, this ain't, this, this isn't, you know, this ain't Denver we're facing. Like we're going to end this and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to let this go any more than we have to. And because they're good enough to do it, obviously. And um, yeah, and I think tonight, I think we will see the Miami Heat on their way to the NBA Finals. I'll just start off by saying Tyler here is an absolute killer on that court. I love the way he plays, not just not just his game, but I mean, just his mentality, just killing you in the fourth quarter. I mean, even before this, even before he dropped 37, he's been hitting clutch bucket after clutch bucket for this Heat team. And he's only, what, 20 years old? Insane. I mean, Bam, I think, was really underrated towards the end of the season. I don't think people – really put enough respect on him as a top five center or top four center being in, you know, the same likes such as Cat and Bede and Jokic. But, I mean, he's proving himself in this series that he's, he deserves to be in that same conversation as those three. And, you know, like you said, Tatum needs to show up. But it's a three only. I still have a little faith in the Celtics. As, I mean, I'm, I know we've seen a lot of about three one leads and how difficult it is. But, I mean, if you just look at it mentally – all right, maybe it's – I mean, all of these games have been relatively close except for, like, one, I think. So, I mean, it's not like the Celtics were, like, completely out of it. I mean, they were, like, a couple bad breaks, you know, like bad turnovers away from potentially winning that game yesterday. So, I still think the Celtics can come back. I mean, just think about it this way. If you win game five, just need to win two games. Win one game at a time. And the Celtics, they've been close for, like, almost this whole series. So, like I reiterated before, I think it's going seven still. I think Celtics win two straight. By the Heat winning game seven, though. Yeah, it's not a bad pick. I remember last episode I said Heat in six, which might come to fruition, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Bam out of bio, this series has been very just solid. 21.5 points, 11 rebounds, 4.5 assists, two steals, and about 1.3 blocks a game in this series. And I was trying to find like a deciding factor, like why, cause you know, all the games have been close and I'm like, why have the heat won still three? Blah, 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 blah. If I could talk this morning, why are the heat up three one? And I looked at a turnover percentage, which is a metric where they measure an estimated amount of turnovers per hundred per, per a hundred possessions. Boston's sitting at 14 and a half right now, Miami at 9.6. So Darren touched on it. Uh, the turnovers are just killing the Celtics in this series. And quite frankly, it's probably why they're down 3-1 above anything else because their shooting percentage is about the same. Everything else in that series stats-wise is about the same. But those turnovers, huge killers because not only do they prevent you from getting baskets, they allow Miami to get easy buckets in transition as well. Um, do we have any last thoughts on the Miami-Boston series before we move on? I was going to say – it's like, you know, again, like Boston, they're, you know, like I said, you're in a position to where you're in the conference finals. You can't afford to be shooting yourselves against the foot because Miami's going to make you pay. They're too good not to make you pay for your mistakes. I mean, you've got ball hawks on the team, guys like Butler, guys like Crowd, 
Crowder, Andre. I mean, there are like, you know, NFI, like, like, I mean, you got guys who are going to be pressuring you who are going to be, you know, forcing the mistakes. So you just have to, but you, you, again, it's like, you're just, you can't put yourself in a position to where you, you are giving up easy baskets and costing yourself points. Because if you do that again, in this, in this stage, you're not going to win. It's show. That's why you're down. I, I thought this would be a seven game series. I thought this was going to be, I thought this was the easiest seven game series bet you could possibly make just based on how these two teams play and how they matched up. But Miami has just, they've, they've taken, you know, listen, where Boston has faltered, they, they have, they have not, and they have not, you know, where Boston has shot themselves in the foot, Miami has taken advantage and they have not. There's what, there's that saying where don't, don't, uh, I think it's like, I remember I saw it was like, by I think it was like Napoleon Bonaparte or something like that saying like, don't interrupt your opponent or your enemy when he's like, when he is, uh, when, when he's like doing something wrong or something like that. So, but, you know, it's like, don't interrupt him when he's that, when he's being bad, basically. So it's like, you know, and Miami hasn't done that. Whenever Boston's made a mistake, they've capitalized. I mean, that's the main reason why they're up in this series. So I think that, I mean, I, I want it to go seven, but based on the way it's gone, that's why I'm, I, I, I think they take it tonight. I really do. Yeah, I'll say every game's been close, so kind of sad if this series ends a little early. But hey, Miami's got to do what they got to do. They they want it over as soon as possible. So we will move on to the Western Conference Finals, where last night the Lakers beat the Nuggets one fourteen one oh eight to go up three to one. Which, as we've seen in the past, Denver has no problem being down three one. Uh, we'll go, uh, Josh. What are what are your thoughts on this? I mean, this last game, I know lots of people are very controversial with the foul calls and the whole LeBron thing, but, I mean, Murray still played good. Jokic, I'd like to see him get a lot more aggressive, especially early on. I mean, we saw in the one game that they've won. Uh, Jokic right away just has to go at Anthony Davis, force him to defend, go up, get some points up early in the first quarter, set the tone. Also, Jeremy Grant, very underrated player that I've really liked watching this series as well. I mean, Davis – has been shown that he's a top one big man in the league. Oh, LeBron's are playing sneaky well. I mean, I don't see why everyone's saying here saying like LeBron's been awful this series. Like, no, he hasn't. I mean, and again, I think it's just basically what we said. I mean, the Lakers just seem to just be that better team than the Nuggets, and the Nuggets quite aren't there yet. I mean, they're definitely going to be a great team in the next year or two as soon as they, you know, just stock up on their role players. They continue to develop their young stars like Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray is going to develop even better than he is already. And same with Jokic. I mean, they are an amazing young core. It's just not worth the right time and just against the wrong team, I guess. I mean, the Lakers are just too solid all around. That depth is insane. LeBron, you know, he needs LeBron. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. It's unfortunate. I don't think they're coming back 3-1 against this team. This ain't the Clippers and this ain't the, this ain't the Jazz, so. I mean, I, it's just going the way we kind of expected it to be. So, I'm no shockers here. LeBron 80 getting it done, best duo in the league. There's nothing more to say. No, I mean, and I totally agree with Josh because, I, I mean, watching that fourth quarter last night, because LeBron, you know, I know a lot of people that he's – obviously he's older, you know, he's 35, and he's – yes, there's a lot less time in his career left than there – you know, it's getting close to the end for him than it is at the beginning, but, but – he last night did, you know, at different times in the playoffs, we've seen LeBron have the ability to go out and guard like Tony Parker against the Spurs when he was in Miami, guard Steph Curry when guard Steph Curry in the finals against the Warriors. Like 
And that was the biggest difference in that game because Jamal Murray, listen, fourth quarter, he was going off. He was making tough shots. He had that one, like, like twisting the shot. The esque layup. <laughs> yeah, 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 the, yeah, that, yeah, the reverse layup and everything like that. Like, he was going off. And LeBron literally said, like, I got him. And after that, he didn't score another basket. And I think he only shot, like, two, more, two free throws. And that was it. That was it. And it's like – it's amazing to me to still see someone who, who you would think of at this stage of his career would be, like, taking – not because we've seen in the playoffs. Like, I remember when Giannis got asked about – about asked if he asked if, – if saying if, if the reporter asked him if he – in the Miami series, if he asked, like, uh, Mike Boonholzer if he want you know, to put him on Butler. He's like, no, I, I don't control that. Like, I guard who I guard. It's like LeBron is still – like, it's like – that's the different mentality. LeBron's like when, – when, like, LeBron knows. He's like, does he want to guard – you know, does he want to guard Jamal Murray all the time? No, but when it's when his words, because he said last night, when it when it's in his words, winning time, he's gonna do it because he knows it's like, all right, I gotta be the one to stop this guy. And I feel like that was a big difference. And then obviously, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is he the way he's playing. I'm actually I'm I'll make another prediction right now. If the Lakers, so if, you know, presuming they win, they beat the Nuggets, they get to the finals. If they win the finals. Anthony Davis is going to be the Finals MVP, in my opinion. I'm, I mean, I won't be obviously. The, the narrative is going to be with LeBron, seeing if he can be the first player to get to win three titles and three Finals MVPs with three different teams. But the way Anthony Davis is playing right now, I mean, he's he's going out there. I mean, it, you know, obviously Jokic was in foul trouble throughout the game, but if you're he he just to me looks like he's he's playing on another level right now. I mean, in terms of Lakers greats in the postseason, he's he, right. He, I was looking at an article before the game, and he's up there with like and Shaq territory and Kareem and Will and all those guys. I mean, that's how well he's playing. That's how well he's scoring. That's how well he's defending overall. I mean, he's he has just he is like on another level right now in terms of his play. And he was already thought of being a top five player. Um, yeah, and I just you know I get it. I agree with Josh. It's like this Lakers team is different because. I mean, yeah, the Clippers had Kawhi and Paul George, but you know what? LeBron, it's it's different because LeBron is, LeBron has seen and done more than anyone else in this league. And Anthony Davis is playing on a level right now to where it's he's not going to pull up Paul George and miss however many shots he missed in the fourth quarter of Game Seven, whatever the number was. It's like he's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. So, I think I honestly think the Lakers. God, I I. I think I'm gonna stick. I think I said Lakers in six. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stick with it. I, I, Denver could get one more game. I will not be shocked if this ends in five, but I'll stick with that just because I, I, I have. I'm not gonna not give Denver the the respect. Like I have to. I'm gonna say they get. I'll say they'll get one. But like, you know, after coming down three one. But no, and not to mention the fact too, being down three, having to do this again now. Can you imagine how exhausted they all must be? How much it's taken for them just to get to this point, and now that they got to be down three-one again? I mean, I mean, I don't know how. Like, how much do they have left to give? Honestly, I mean, they'll give everything they got, but I can't imagine how much more energy they could possibly have in this postseason to come back from another three-to-one deficit, another one, and against LeBron James, Anthony. It's just, it's a, it's, it might be too much to ask. It really, it really might be. I mean, I'll get, listen. I give the props to Denver. I think they're going to be. I think they could win a championship in the next three years, at least. I really do. I mean, they have shown a lot this postseason, but I think that, you know, I'm 
to me, this is what I expected. I think I thought they would put up a good fight, but I just thought LeBron and AD were just going to be different than the Jazz and the Clippers, and it showed. So I'll I'll say they I'll say they still win in six, but um, but I won't be shocked if it goes in five either, just because again, it's you know LeBron has showed that when when the chips are down, he still could be the best player in the world, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think that things are going to get really interesting because with this series, nothing would surprise me at this point. The Lakers winning in five wouldn't surprise me at all or six or seven or the Nuggets winning in seven. Like none of this would surprise me that much at this point. Um, And unless Gary Harris goes off for like 50 points, that would surprise me um, because he has not been, not been doing it on the offensive side of the ball this postseason. But um, I don't know. I think that, the Lakers, it seemed to me like the Lakers are up 3-1 in this series, but everything has gone their way. And I'm not even saying like in officiating. I'm saying like in last night's game, late in the game, every time the ball bounced, it was either like off a rebound. It was tipped up in the air, goes right into the hands of a Laker. LeBron's free throw in the big moments where it bounces around the rim like four times before it finally falls in. It seemed like every little Thing has gone the Lakers way and I don't know if that's sustainable but the problem for the Nuggets is they got to win three in a row and that's really difficult to do if they just had to win two out of three here like if say it was two to two say the Anthony Davis's shot didn't go in there and it was two to two I'd pick the Nuggets in seven based on how this series has gone but because I think the Nuggets could win two out of three but I don't know that I'm going to pick them to win three in a row um so I'll take the Lakers still in – I'll stick with Lakers in six. That's what I picked last time, so I'll stick with that. Although Jokic and Murray have never had a playoff series not go seven games. So we'll see. Yeah, I I, I was the one outlier that said Nuggets in seven, so I'm going I'm to stick with it because they've been in this position before. Granted, like Darren alluded to, it's not Paul George and Kawhi anymore. It's AD and LeBron. So it's going to be tough, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Um, and in that first quarter when I was watching the game last night, I was taking some notes. Anthony Davis, if he comes out like he did, if he comes out next game like he did last game, Nuggets are in big trouble. The way he was just attacking the paint rather than just floating out on the perimeter. I mean, he started the first quarter six for six with 14 points. Um he was a dominant force out there. Dwight Howard in the first quarter, eight points, eight rebounds, four for four from the field. I mean, the way they can just guard really, like we saw against uh, Houston, you know, they could guard small ball. They can guard big ball, <laughs> lack of a better term. I mean, they can really do it all. And I think we haven't really given enough credit to the Lakers roster because during the regular season, the role players have kind of been, you know, eh. But, I mean, they've got championship experience on this team, and that's that's hard to bet against. Um, another note on this series, uh, LeBron and AD, their player efficiency rating, which is measured by – hold on, I got it right here. It's points plus rebounds plus assists plus steals plus blocks minus missed field goals, missed free throws, and turnovers. So basically a measure of if you're good outweighs your bad. 
the the league average is 15 for a player efficiency rating and this playoffs lebron is sitting at 28.7 and ad is sitting at 30.4 for a player efficiency rating which is astounding really if you look at it that's some my career numbers right there um but yeah to murray's credit i mean that guy just doesn't quit he's a walking bucket i agree i forgot who said it but i do think the nuggets will eventually win a championship in the next three four years just because of how this roster is made up i mean michael porter jr bull bull hasn't even seen any minutes and he's still only 20 years old uh jokic is 20 24 I believe Murray's about 23 I mean they'll be set but for right now it's looking tough 3-1 down to LeBron so we'll see how it goes I'm sticking to Nuggets in seven but we'll see um do we have any last thoughts on this series before we move on to our last subject I was gonna say actually I forgot to bring up but I, I actually think starting them starting Dwight in game four I think was a huge key because that's he is someone who – and he showed it when his matchups against Jokic. Like, he is not – like, you, like Jokic has been able to – I mean, like, he, he is a bully ball – like, he bully ball people all the time. But, like, Dwight is not a guy that he can that, – that, that you can just move around. Like, I mean, yes, he is 33. No, is he not the Dwight Howard or Orlando? No. But this is still a guy that, you know, when he's, when he's healthy, when he's on, I mean, there's a reason he won three consecutive Defensive Player of the Year awards. I mean, he can go out there – and he can stop people. And he did a great job in terms of just, you know, picking, you know, in terms of just, you know, uh, uh, taking, you know, getting offensive rebounds and getting putbacks and just, you know, contributing the ways that he's done for the Lakers this year where he doesn't need the ball, but he's still been really good. And I thought that was a, you know, I thought, he, I thought that was a big key for them because, you know, you need someone to, you know, to be able to, you know, make Jokic work. I mean, li- I mean, listen, he didn't, and I mean, it helped. He didn't have a good game. He had five fouls. He only had 17 points. He really wasn't able to have the game kind of game that we would expect from him. So, I mean, that was a, that was a huge key in that. Yeah. To your foul trouble. He's had a few games, a series where, yeah, he just got into foul trouble and then it's, you know, it's hard to produce when you're not on the floor. So the Lakers have done a great job kind of, containing Jokic in that way and during the broadcast too they talked about because Dwight Howard I believe it was game one how he was you know just doing those little antics doing those little things to get in Jokic's head and they talked about how Frank Vogel told Dwight basically just to not do that and play the game but I'm like that's the game within the game if it works I mean why not keep going with it because I mean it contained Jokic so why not keep going with it and now we have our last segment here, um, the coaching carousel. A lot of moves so far this offseason. Um, we've had, if I can count here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight coaches, eight coaching changes at least, um, five teams with open vacancies. Uh, Billy Donovan signed with the Bulls, Tom Thibodeau to the Knicks, and Steve Nash to Brooklyn. But we're going to talk about these other five teams who still have coaching vacancies being the Pacers, Thunder, Rockets, Pelicans, and 76ers. So we'll start with Darren. Um, I guess you can start with whatever team you want um, and who's their best coaching candidate. Well, in terms of the ones that are still available, I mean, I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at the Pacers and I'm going to say, because I, I, I mean, and it's, 
maybe I am a little biased in saying this because obviously he did win a championship with the Pistons. But to me, I feel like Chauncey Belts, whether it's as a coach or even as the executive, I feel like he is way overdue for some kind of role on an NBA team. I mean, the man, he was – he was he a you know he wasn't a huge a huge star or anything like that in the league, but he just won. Tommy, I mean, he won wherever he went. He won with the Pistons. Um, you know he was he was on the last Denver Nuggets team that made the Western Conference Finals with Carmelo Anthony, the only team that Carmelo Anthony that, that Carmelo Anthony was on that ever went deep in the NBA playoffs. You know, which is you know again that's you know stuff like that that Matt you know pay attention because that, that stuff matters. Um, and I just feel like you know he's been you know he had been talked about. I remember he had been talked about as being a candidate to fill the GM vacancy in Cleveland, I think before, I want to say that was before LeBron left or when they when they fired David Griffin or whenever that was, um, you know, and he and he's been talked about. I feel like, and he said that you know he's very you know he's interested in doing it. I feel like that he would be. I think he's a guy that is recognized. You know, he's always been recognized for being a great team. He was always recognized for being a great teammate, a great leader, um, and just a, an overall a player just with who just won really wherever he went by the time that he got good in his career. So I feel like he would be a really good candidate for the Pacers. Cause I feel actually, I really feel like personality. Cause like Chauncey, yo, he's not, he wasn't a, he wasn't like a high key player or anything. And the Pacers aren't really a high key team. You know, they just, they just have a lot of guys who just, you know, they play well together and they, you know, and they win everything. And I think he'd be a, you know, I'm sure he'd be a great coach pairing for a guy like Victor Oladipo. Um, and then other than that, uh, you know, with the, like going through the rest of them, you know, Brett Brown, Ty Lu, you know, guys like that, you know, I mean, you know, retreads, you know, retreads like that, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad coaches, but you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know, to me, Chauncey is just someone who I feel like he's been overdue for a role like that in a long time for a long time. And I feel like, I feel, I think he would do well. I really do. I still, I, I mean, if he really would be a, a prime candidate for the, for the, like a team like the Pacers, I think, I think they do a good job hiring All right. Anyone want to go next? I mean, for me, I look at a team like the like the Pelicans, and I mean, Tyler Fisdale and Antonio are all great coaches, but I think I'm going to go with someone who you know we haven't mentioned at all on the list that we have, and I'm going to go with Denver's assistant coach Wes Unsled Jr. on that one because I think he's very underrated. You know, you look at that team, you know, you have the offensive talent there, but where's the defense on that team? You got to understand, you have a lot of great defensive players with Lonzo and Zion. And we've looked what he's done with the Nuggets, I mean, defensively with the playoff sets, how he's changed. I think specifically I remember Michael Malone saying in the, after, the, after they came back against the Clippers, saying, man, you know what, Wes Unsled, I owe that defense to him. And I think he has a very potential. He's a, he's a younger coach, which I like more in this today's NBA. Uh, you guys can come in sort of create their own culture. That's why I'm really high on him. And especially Ime Udoka from the 76ers as well. So I think he's a nice change of pace. Maybe he's not your long-term championship coach. That's fine. You have a young team. You need a young coach. Help develop the players. And we know we've seen in Denver how they develop players as well. So you know he has that background with working with players, helping them reach that next step, especially we've seen it with Jamal Murray and Jokic and how they've developed. So I, th- I think he's a perfect fit for the Pelicans in maybe three, four years. Wait until Zion can take that next step, and then you see whether or not he's a championship coach. I mean, you you got to take a risk at some point if you're the Pelicans. I, I, I don't see why not. 
Yeah, just to hop in real quick, another guy for the Pelicans who honestly I think would be a pretty good fit, even though he gets a lot of a lot of scrutiny just because he people claim that LeBron just carried his coattails to the finals. But Ty Lu having that championship experience and working with a player like LeBron, I'd be very curious to see how Zion would develop under Ty Lu with him, you know having to deal with LeBron and Kyrie and those big personalities and those star players, I'd be curious to see how that would work too. I honestly think Ty Lue, if he were to go to a team, I feel like, like we have him under – I feel like the Rockets wouldn't be bad because, you know, you, you, you mentioned it, Bobby. He has that he has that experience in managing personalities because not only LeBron, he – Kyrie, you know, he obviously had Kyrie on that team. He had Kevin Love, Jay Harris. You know, he's had the man – that team had a lot of uh, – you know, guys who had a lot of loud voices. So I feel like, you know, you go to the Rockets with, you know, Ru- you know Westbrook and Harden and those guys. I mean, I feel like in terms of having to coach stars and, you know, manage those kind of personalities, I, you know, that would be the, that would be, probably be the worst fit for the Rockets. I think that out of all these teams, there are two teams that I think clearly, well, I guess three total, but two that still haven't filled theirs that I think that the coaching hire will most, is like most important that they get right. And I think the Nets was a huge job that they needed to get right. And it remains to be seen if Steve Nash ends up being the right man for the guy or for the job. I like Steve Nash. I like the idea of Steve Nash being the coach there. I'm not sure how it'll work with the top personalities, but Nash was always a leader. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes and see if those players will respect him and play well for him. But I think the Rockets and the 76ers, I think it's really important that those two teams get this right because they have the stars now. The Pacers, they've got Oladipo and Sabonis. They're both still growing. Oladipo is trying to come back from that injury. Sabonis is a budding star. And they've got other pieces there like Malcolm Brogdon and a few other guys. And the Thunder, they're in full-scale rebuild mode right now. Um, would not be surprised to see Chris Paul traded in the offseason um, because with Billy Donovan leaving, it really kind of shows that their, hey, look what we found, competitive season is not what they want to do. They want to rebuild. And so I think that what they do is not as important. And the Pelicans, that's an important job for the development of those guys, but I don't think – their window is not closing anytime soon. The Sixers and Rockets both have teams that have superstars right now in their primes that if you don't get this coaching job right and it doesn't work, you're not going to get too many more chances. And so I really like what you were saying about Wes Unseld. Uh, Josh, you were talking about that, right? And I really like what you were saying with them because I think he could fit for either of those teams as well just because of they've got all the offensive star power and they've got a little – I mean, the Rockets don't have much better defensive players than the Nuggets, but the Sixers have some good defensive players as well. You've got Matisse Thybul, Ben Simmons was on the all-defensive team, I believe. Joel Embiid's a pretty decent defender sometimes when he wants to be. And – that would be a good place where they could look at him as well. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I mean, yeah, I was actually just reading up on the Sixers, and I saw this crazy room about, like, 
oh, they want to go for Mark D'Antonio and trade a big man. I was like, no, please do not do that if you're the Sixers. I mean, that's probably the worst fit I've ever seen a coach with a team. I mean, you have no shooters there. Well, I don't even know why Mark D'Antonio would even take that job, so I just want to put that out there. Maybe, you know, unique challenge. He's like, you know what, I can win, I can win with some big ball too. But, uh, yeah, I don't see that being very likely. Um, Touch on the Thunder job as well. I, I don't know. I feel like if they do decide to keep Chris Paul, maybe just add a piece or two. I think Nate McMillan would be not a bad hire over there as well just because I love his background, just being a role player for just about his whole career. I love guys who have – you know, been in that position because they they see how stars operate and they not only do they know their place, but they can put other guys in a place to succeed as well. And another name, not really associated with a certain team, but that I'm going to put out there. I know Becky Hammond has been getting some head coaching consideration as well, which would be the first, I believe, the first female head coach in the NBA, which would be awesome to see. I mean, studying under Greg Popovich, it's, you know, that's pretty big. That's, that's a pretty big name to be under. Um, anyone else got some thoughts on these or? Or another name I've been seeing too. Um, I might box this name. Uh, Ime Udoka, who's one of, um, the Sixers assistant coaches as well. Um, he's been getting some consideration for that job. I don't know much about him, but I've seen his name floating around as well. I feel like Philadelphia, they need like a new voice because I, I, I still, listen, I still think they're going to have to seriously go about whether, whether Joel, Joel and Ben and Ben Simmons next to each other is like, there is a pairing that can realistically work in the long term. I, well, I'll say this. I feel like it's not that I don't think they can, but I feel like, like they just did not build that team right. Like with Al Horford and Tobias Harris, like they need shooters. They don't need more guys that need the ball. They need shooters to surround those guys, like pure shooters. So I think they, you know, they need to figure out how they're going to re- reconfigure their team for next season. And to me, I don't know. I just feel like you need someone, you need like a fresh voice. You need like a, you need like a fresh voice who's going to come in there and, and, and going to be like, okay, Ben Simmons, like, Shoot the ball. I ain't no, I ain't like, it's like, no, you're shooting the ball. Like, don't, don't give, no, like, literally, you are going to shoot the ball. And if you don't, then we are going to have a problem. Like, <laughs> like, you know, you got to go in there. You got, you know, I mean, you got, like, that was the one thing about whether in terms of Brown, like, you know, holding Simmons and Calvo for trying to expand his game. And then all the questions about Joel and his conditioning, like, you need someone to come in there and who can, you know, who can, who's going to be able to hold their, hold those guys for, for making the improvements that everyone thinks they need to, to be the best team, to be the team that everyone thinks they can be. Uh, and so, you know, you got, I think Nate McMillan, I think he'd be a guy that, you know, he, he wouldn't be a bad fit because he's, a, you know, he's someone that come in demand that respect. Um, Mark, uh, yeah, D'Antoni maybe too. I don't know. But yeah, I think they need a fresh voice in Philadelphia. Yeah. Or even David Fisdale on that team as well. He, I don't know. A lot of people were saying he was, unfairly fired from the Knicks just because of, you know, they were, they just didn't have the talent. They were just a bad team, honestly. And he kind of brings that rough and tough persona to teams as well. So I know the Sixers, you know, have kind of, you know, 
Philadelphia kind of has that rough and tough persona. So I think David Fizdale wouldn't be a bad fit there either. I think uh, that I think that Philadelphia has that rough and tough persona, but I don't know that the players on Philadelphia's team have that persona. Like the city, I think he would be a great fit for the city, but I don't know how great of a fit he'd be for the guys in Philly. Like Simmons and Embiid and those guys, they just it doesn't seem like that kind of team there. But one name we haven't really talked much about, but we have on here that happened. Did any of you guys see Zach Levine reacting live to the Ben Donovan or Billy Donovan news? He was live streaming. <laughs> he was live streaming uh, Warzone on Facebook Gaming when he got the news that Billy Donovan was going to be the coach. And it wasn't even really that eventful. It was just the. It was funny that he was talking on Facebook Gaming because nobody uses Facebook Gaming to stream. <laughs> But he was streaming on Facebook Gaming and talking about uh, – and he's like, oh, yeah, we just got Billy Donovan as our coach. And then whoever he's talking to is like, who's that? And he was like, well, he was just the coach at OKC. He used to coach at Florida. He's a real good coach. That'll be good. But <laughs> I, do, I do agree. I think that Billy Donovan's going to be a good guy for that Bulls team to try and develop some of that talent because they've got so much talent there. They just haven't been able to develop it at all. Like Lowry Markin is really good – there they've got a lot of talented players. Wendell Carter over there too. Wendell Carter, Kobe White, Levine. I mean, the Valentine's still sitting on the roster somewhere. I mean, buried the <laughs> seventy-five wing players because he hurt his ankle like ten times. But I mean, they've got a lot of talented players there. They just haven't developed them at all. No, I think Donovan, I mean, because this past year really, I think really showed how good he was as a coach. Because obviously you take a situation where you lose Russell Westbrook, you, you know, Russell Westbrook gets traded, Paul George gets traded, you're coming in with, you know, with low expectations. And I mean, obviously Chris Paul, you know, he wanted to prove he still had this year. And obviously, you know, you got Shea Gillis Alexander, you got Dennis Schroeder. I mean, that was a good team. But to me, Billy Donovan, I mean, no, all he's done with the Thunder, with whatever circumstances he's had, is make the playoffs. And, you know, I mean, that he, he's been a really good coach. And I was honestly, I was kind of sad to see that they were breaking it up because that was a fun team to watch. I was honest, that was a fun team to watch this year for them. I mean, Chris Paul had a great year. And you have, you know, the incredible young talent, Shea Gildas Alexander. You got a, you know, absolute, you know, boring machine off the bench and Schroeder. And you got to get an RNC. That was a fun team. And I think Donovan. Anywhere he's gone, he's been a good coach. Obviously, he has the nap. He won multiple championships at Florida, and he's been successful with the Thunder. And he just showed that, you know, yeah, I can, like, in a year where everyone thought we were just going to be dead, yeah, I can I can be a pretty good coach. I am a pretty good coach in the NBA. So, I think it's good. I think it's, anything's better than Jim Boylan. And, oh, like, and, 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 that, and that, like, the totalitarian state he was trying to freaking have in Chicago or whatever, oh. like, anything's better than that guy and so like yeah no I feel like Donovan with his accomplishments I feel like I feel like he's another guy that's like you know he kind of demands like not not demands respect as in like you know you're gonna respect me but like you know he he's been he's been you know he's been around and more so earns his respect if anything he's had success at both levels and so he's gonna be a guy that players look at be like all right all right you got you know you're actually you know, you're actually showing that you can be pretty good with this. All right. So, yeah. All right. You know, we'll, we'll you know, he's someone that, you know, they got to take him seriously. So, no, I think he's good because it's kind of, I think for him, it'd probably almost be like more of like a college aspect just with how many young guys they got in Chicago. I think that, I think that could probably fit him pretty well. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's, a, I, 
I think that was a pretty good move for the Bulls. In that, in that, uh, I mean, yeah, I was really, really happy when I got the notification saying Billy Donovan's going to the to the Bulls. Obviously, my, my original choice, I really wanted Red Sunsled to go there because, you know, young guys and all. But, you know, like Zach said, they have incredible talent there. I mean, Kobe White's going to be – he seems like he can be an amazing scorer. Zach Levine, we know, is an elite scorer in the NBA, and he's – he could definitely be a second option on a championship team, in my opinion, in terms of just scoring his ball purely. For me, I, I also like Billy Donovan because I remember, I think it was some former MD player, I forgot who says, but I mean, I think he said the hardest he's seen players work for is when they've worked for Billy Donovan. I mean, just having that, knowing that he has that personal connection to players and he actually, you know, is a player's coach. And I think, more now in this modern NBA, you've got to start looking for more players-oriented coaching, which I thought was a mistake when hiring Jim Boylan at first. I mean, obviously, you know, that didn't really work out with the team or, you know, too much friction. But, you know, he's shown that, you know, he can work with players. I mean, he's worked with Westbrook. And I also feel like Westbrook kind of like, you know, it's hard because when Westbrook's your main player, it does make you have to tinker with your game plan a little bit. So I think what we saw last year was what really Don really wanted to run this whole time. So I really like the system he runs. And, again, we have uh, you know, a lot of young players, and most importantly, we have a lot of cap room coming off next year when Otto Porter Jr. leaves as well. So hopefully he can develop them enough where he can maybe make a run at a top five player, at a top ten player. And, you know, if you get a star alongside Levine and those young cats, I mean, that's a, that's a really, really good team. And I think it win the East in, like, four years. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like um, Josh just said, you kind of do want those more player-oriented guys because, I mean, the shift has kind of been more towards the play, the like the credit. Like, it's not so much, oh, the head coach does this. No, it's the players. Um, I guess minus teams that have just loaded talent, like when you see, like, the Warriors or the – like, you know, the Heat, when they had the Heatles. Other than that, the good teams have coaches who the players buy into. Like, we've seen it with the Heat, the, their team philosophy. When a coach can come in and set a team philosophy and the players are invested in it and want to play well in that philosophy, I feel like that's where these teams that maybe don't have as much talent can really make some noise. Um, so let's see, we are at about 45 minutes here. Uh, do we have any other thoughts for coaching carousel? I mean, Nick's. Oh, Oh, yeah, we didn't really talk about, yeah. How do you guys think Tom Thibodeau will do with the Knicks? It's just going to be another train wreck. I mean, it's New York. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) narrative is that he doesn't, you know, I mean, he, he never does, you know, he never really gives a lot of attention to rookies or, or a really young players. So I don't know. I mean, if they're coming, for, I mean, for, I feel like it be, wouldn't be bad just because it's so, it, it would, for someone to come in there and like set a new culture. I mean, listen, Thibodeau's going to be a no nonsense guy. So he's, I mean, if anyone can, I don't know. I just, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know what, Josh is right. It's probably just going to be another dumpster fight. Probably, it probably will be. Like, I'm not even, like, it's just, God, they're just, they're just, they're just God awful. I mean, it, 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 it's, yeah, it'll take, I don't know. Jane, a lot of people are saying James Dolan's the problem over there. So, 
might yeah. not even change till they get rid of him. So, all right. Well, I guess we will call that the end. A good, short, concise show. Awesome, awesome, awesome always talking basketball with you guys. Um, from Impact 88.9 in East Lansing, Michigan. Bobby Zephro, Josh Rayapan, Darren Baydoon, Zach Serdnick on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Signing off. Thanks for listening. <laughs>